This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are switching gears. Nearly a quarter of all Canadians live with diabetes or pre-diabetes, and the prevalence of the disease is expected to increase by 44% by 2025. That's uh, nine years from now when 5 million Canadians will have full-blown diabetes. We all know a little bit about it, but there are still so many questions. What's the difference between type 1 and type 2? What is pre-diabetes and is it reversible? Uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And now our house doctor, Zachary Levine, is here to explain it all and to answer your questions. Hi, Zach. Hi, Libby. So uh, diabetes is basically an epidemic. Well, yeah. I mean, it... it yeah, the numbers, like you say, are, are unbelievable. You know, I mean, the numbers have just been going up and up and up. And there's, while there's certainly a lot of bad news, it's easy to, uh, it's easy to uh, quote bad news about it in terms of the numbers are crazy. It is indeed the leading cause of blindness, end-stage kidney disease, and uh, amputations, non-traumatic amputations, or, or the cause of the need for amputations in Canada and Canadian adults. So there's a lot of bad news, but... It's worth saying that, you know, I certainly, I, I, you know, not just as patients, but as friends and colleagues, uh, I know a, a good number of people who live with diabetes very healthily for many years. So there are very effective treatments for it. I mean, we certainly have to work on prevention, but the treatments are getting better and better as well. So there's, it's not all bad news. Okay. Uh, type 2 diabetes is the type that most people have, and it's uh, a lifestyle that brings it on, is it not? Yeah, it's definitely lifestyle related. It's, so yeah, type 2 diabetes is a good 90% of cases. I mean, so basically, just as an overview, you know, diabetes basically is the inability to use the sugar that's in our bloodstream. So we all, we all have glucose, which is the main sugar in our body, and it, uh, it's in our blood, and our tissues have to be able to use it. And in order, in order to use it, uh, the tissues, ha- we have to have insulin, so, which, is a, which is a hormone that is produced by the pancreas, and in type 1 diabetes, we don't produce it, basically. And in type 2 diabetes, our, we're, we're insensitive to insulin. Insulin is the hormone that lets our tissues use the glucose. So even if we have lots of glucose and lots of insulin, with type 2 diabetes, our, our tissues just aren't sensitive to it and we can't use it. And like you say, it's largely a uh, lifestyle uh, type of disease in the sense that being overweight, having high blood pressure, having high cholesterol... Uh, not being physically active, all these things increase our risk for having uh, type 2 diabetes. So there's a lot of it that we can control, certainly not all of it. Some people are just going to get it, you know, uh, regardless of what they do. But even in those who have it, there's definitely a significant proportion of it that can be controlled with a good uh, with diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is pre-diabetes? Yeah, pre-diabetes is basically... so. 
people should be screened for diabetes as of the Canadian Diabetes Association recommends. Uh, and by the way, they have a they have a great there's lots of information out there. I'm sure people know, but uh, one of them is Canadian Diabetes Association has a good website with a lot of good information. And that people should be screened every as of the age of forty every <coughs> at least every three years. And basically, screening is just a it's a simple blood test. It's a fasting blood test. So you haven't eaten since the night before. They do a blood test and they see what your blood glucose is. And basically, pre-diabetes is if you are not quite diabetic. So if your blood glucose normal is, is below 6 in the units that we use, over 7.1 is considered basically diagnostic for diabetes. And then if you're in between there, if you're in the 6.1 to 6.9, then you're at risk. That, that indicates that you're at risk for developing diabetes. You're, you're sort of pre-diabetic. And that they've done a fair bit of work research in that group. And actually, there's a very good evidence to show that it, with largely just with lifestyle, so meaning uh, a better diet, weight loss, and exercise, uh, it can decrease the risk of going from pre-diabetes to diabetes significantly by over 50%, actually. All those things are kind of easier said than done. Getting yeah. people to exercise, getting them to diet, and losing weight is very difficult. Oh, absolutely. And the, yeah, the problem is, of course, it gets it gets more and more difficult, not just not just with age when it becomes harder to lose the weight, but also, you know, you're, as you get more and more used to a lifestyle, it becomes more and more difficult to change it, you know, many, many years. Now, that's not to say I'm sure, well, I'm sure you know, I certainly know a lot of people who have done it, you know, but it takes, sometimes it takes a major event, unfortunately, like, uh, like a scare, a scare of a stroke or a scare of a heart attack or something. Um, sometimes people can just do it. They just decide it's time to do it. But it really, yeah, it takes a concerted effort. And ideally, you know, there are a lot of things that can help if you have someone who you can do it with to motivate you. If you have things certainly that you enjoy doing that are physically active, uh, you know, if you can incorporate it into your regular life. So, you know, just do walking places and walk, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, walking if if you can instead of uh, taking your car to, t to get the groceries. Those are all things that you can do and hopefully and and. And with time and, you know, the more and more things that you do, it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And it's definitely doable, but it's, it is some work for sure. Uh, Zach, I'm going to give the numbers out again because I'm sure that people have a lot of questions about how to control diabetes, how to prevent it if you're uh, pre-diabetic. Uh, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with Dr. Zach. We're talking about diabetes and pre-diabetes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. There was just a study that came out last week, and uh, it talked about very moderate exercise, taking a walk. And it showed, uh, and I think this study was done only with people who actually were diabetic, that if you take a walk after a meal, that it has a much bigger effect in lowering your blood sugar, and particularly if you took a short walk after dinner, it really put your sugar down. That's, that's actually very, I didn't read the study, but that's a very interesting study, and it's certainly something that uh, intuitively makes sense. Um, and, you know, for years people have said, you know, don't, don't eat just before you go to sleep, and uh, it's not good for your weight and whatnot. There isn't great evidence for that. However, um, there, there certainly makes some sense. We often said don't eat before you go to sleep because it's, worth, it's worse for reflux 
Uh, people tend to get a lot of heartburn if they people with heartburn get a lot more heartburn if they lie down right after uh, they have a big meal. Uh, but that's uh, that's actually great, and certainly it, it makes sense because you know obviously when you're going to sleep, everything slows down, including your digestion, including your metabolism, and and so of course dinner being the last meal of the day, if you become if you go to sleep especially, but even if you are just inactive right afterwards, uh, you know your body is not going to use the sugar, the glucose, the same way as if you're being active right away. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. It's a very interesting study. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it it doesn't sound like it's uh, something that difficult to do. I mean, I know a lot of people. I, I remember. I don't know <laughs> that there was a time when that was that was part of a lot of people's routine. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it it definitely is part of uh, some people's routine. It's uh, hopefully it's that's the bigger part of the routine than getting uh, comfortable in front of the the TV. Hopefully, you know, you go for the walk first. And then, uh, and then you can, you know, relax a little bit afterwards. But I think the healthiest thing to do absolutely would be do something somewhat active, get things going after your meal, and then, uh, and then, you know, take it easy after that. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Pat in Etobicoke. Hello, Pat. Hi. So Hi. I, I'd like to tell um, you about myself. Uh, Twenty years ago, after recovering from cancer of the breast and lymph nodes. I was determined, I was um, told that I had borderline diabetic. I was a borderline diabetic. Mm. Um, my grandmother, my father's mother, had, had been di- borderline diabetic all her life. So mm. here I was 45 and I was now borderline. So anyway, I read the material involved in, in a better diet. And this past summer, I was surprised to find out that um, I'm not borderline diabetic. I'm not even a diabetic considered anymore. It's so low that there's no worry anymore. That's well, great. Congratulations. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's uh, possibly the doctors had wanted me to put, be put on these uh, medications from the pharmacy, you know, from a pharmaceutical uh, viewpoint that uh, you're borderline diabetic, you should take this. And I said, no, because of the side effects. And if I became a diabetic, then I would reconsider. Yeah. So, but I'm, so I'm sort of bragging in a way, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy to tell everybody that, you know, it can happen. Mind you, I'm very conscious of my weight. I try mm-hmm. to keep um, within a couple of pounds. If I go over, I start doing more exercising in that because mm-hmm. I know that being overweight could have brought me to the point where I would have been diabetic. That uh, all sounds uh, like very good advice. Did you find it very hard when you took your lifestyle in hand? Not really, no, because I was determined that I was going to make every effort not to have the cancer come back. So I looked at every possibility of, of improving my my health and my uh, lifestyle. And you're absolutely right that eating a bad diet and all and not exercising and all of that is, uh, you know, in terms of uh, that lifestyle is really good in terms of, you know, preventing a recurrence of cancer mm-hmm. uh, or or any cancer to begin with. So um, well, you're right cancer, about that. Well, not just about health issues. Period. Everything, everything. Yeah. You're not going to go wrong with that. Um, Pat? Yes. Thanks so much for your call. I hope that uh, it's a little inspirational for people. 
Yes, and I'm just hoping it stays this way. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, that's a great story. So that is a great story, and she, and it's absolutely the case. You know, you see uh, people can not only go from pre-diabetes to no diabetes. Well, actually, that's the best thing. They can, they can of course, you can prevent the pre-diabetes in the first place as well. And the key is, yeah, diet and exercise. And if people don't know, there's a lot of information out there, but one of the things that is recommended, aside from, you know, trying to keep a reasonable weight, is uh, foods that have what they call a low glycemic index. We always we always talk about um, carbohydrates and the, how the white breads being sort of the, the white breads and uh, pastas and rices being less healthy than the, you know, the, 100% stone ground, whole wheat, and the mixed grains, and all bran, the cereals, and whatnot. And it's, uh, and it's true, the, the low glycemic index are, those, are the brown things, are the brown breads, and the brown pastas, and the brown rices, and the barley, and the, um, and the yams, and sweet potatoes, as opposed to the white things. And the, because those things, the low glycemic index, don't make your blood sugars spike as high. One of, the, one of the problems in diabetes, one of the things that they think is... Uh, dangerous for your nerves and for your blood vessels is when the blood sugar goes up very high very quickly and that's that's what tends to happen with simple sugars like white things uh, yep. I'm talking about the, and and also you know just sweets in general if you just have uh, you know sweets that just have pure sugar well that that makes your blood sugar spike as opposed to having a nice even keel which is much healthier okay yes and there the 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 low Glycemic foods take, uh, you know, they, you're less hungry because they don't, uh, they take a longer time for you to digest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the, the high glycemic index, you know, you, those are the ones where you, you might get a little burst of energy, but then you feel quite tired afterwards because you have that big spike and then the insulin kicks in and it drops your blood glucose and then you want to take a nap. And then, you know, it's the opposite of having a nice, uh, healthy, low glycemic index and then going for a walk, which basically keeps your glucose at a very steady level. And basically, our treatment goals are basically to try and keep people's glucose mo- most of the time in quite a steady level at about, about 6 or certainly under 10, as opposed to having peaks and troughs, which is much more dangerous. Okay, uh, Zach, we only have a few seconds uh, left, so uh, just you, what do you want to tell people to wrap it up? Well, I would say, you know, like I said, you know, and like you said, diabetes is becoming more and more uh, frequent. There are certainly risk factors that we can't control, like for anything else, in terms of just our genes, but there are definitely things that we can do to, to, uh, that we can control, and the, primarily that's, of course, eating well and being active. And that's, of course, I say that for everything because it is true for, it's true for diabetes, it's true for different cancers, it's true, obviously, for cardiovascular health. And uh, just take a look, you know, I, I would certainly recommend the Canadian Diabetes Association. They have a site and there's a lot of information there about what you can do, whether or not you're diabetic, to improve your health and decrease and control your blood sugar better. Okay. Dr. Zach, thank you so much for that. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.